Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Good morning, Jesus 911, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Ruben Nava, along with my partner, Eddie Chavez, is making a return to today to, to, to visit us and, uh, and chime in on, on some of the topics we have today. Uh, Jesse's out. Uh, keep him in your prayers. Uh, you know, I think that uh, he's getting a lot of spiritual attacks right now, and uh, it's causing a lot of medical issues. So keep him in your prayers. He's, he's doing okay, but, uh, you know, he's, he's taking a lot of incoming. So, it, uh, Eddie, are you 10-8? I'm 10-8. Uh, how you doing, uh, Ruben? Good to hear your voice, man, and see your face. Uh, reporting for duty, sir. I'm just, uh, <laughs> just glad it's to good be Good to be back with you guys, uh, uh, Ruben. Well, it's good to have you, Eddie. You know, it's always uh, better when we have a, a two-man two-man, two-man car, you know. Uh, I'm always ready to back you, brother. Always. There you go, man. That would have been a fun That would have been a, a, a fun time to, to ride with you, Eddie, go 10-8 in the, in the field with you and a yeah, I, I think so. That we would have had a good time. I think we 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 kind of cut from the same tree, and you know we we'd be out there hooking and booking. I agree, brother. I'm glad to be here anyway. But uh, yeah, I'm telling you, uh, Ruben. You know the uh, attacks that you're talking about when you're referring to Jess. Yeah. Uh, they mean a lot to me because I mean I had health issues too. Right. Uh, so much so that I had a backup backup from. Uh, uh, participating in, in Jesus 911. Uh, so I'm sure maybe some of the people don't uh, recognize me, but uh, I was uh, one of the original uh, 911, Jesus 911 people. That's right. You were. You, you were right on there. What what was your your acronym for? Uh, well, if people don't know you, Eddie, I'm just going to let them know you were a, a, you're a retired sergeant from the California Highway Patrol. And uh, your acronym for the CHP, what was that? Oh, uh, well... Uh, you know, I forget, but, yeah, but uh, there were some good ones and, yeah. and some not so good ones. So we'll, we'll forget about that for now. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I know people still ask about you, Eddie, so you're still loved and uh, I'm glad to have you here today. And uh, thank you. man. Yeah, let's let's get into this first topic. Uh, we have a good show today. Some good subjects. Um, you know, out in North Carolina, there's a, a, a the town's entire police force resigned, citing hostile work environment. And this is not the only department, but this is in this one um Little town, uh, Kenley, North Carolina. Uh, the police chief announced his re- resignation this week, citing stress and hostile work environment after a new city manager was hired. And uh, the the police chief, I saw him on the news. Um, Josh Gibson announced his two week notice a- after more than twenty one years of service, according to a Facebook post on his personal page. The new manager has created an environment I do not feel we can perform our duties and services to the community. Um, he was joined by the town's four full-time officers and two other city officials, according to the resignation letters. And uh, so this is just a tiny department, but it's a, a small town. And so that's it's still going to hit them hard because uh, they don't have their, their regulars in there. Uh, you know, I don't know if, uh, Eddie, if you, when you, as a highway patrolman, you had uh, duties to not only to cover the freeways and on the highways, but you had... Uh, you you in the county areas you had to patrol the streets as well, and uh, the, so people get to know you out there, right? And it, you have interaction with some of the same people. Uh, absolutely, uh, 
Ruben, you know, it's funny because I also worked uh, East L.A. like you did. Yep. Uh, and that was one of the attractions that people wanted to come to East L.A. for, to get off the freeway and come and patrol the streets. And we did have uh, an interaction with a lot of the, uh, the citizens from, from that area. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention, uh, Ruben, I'm not sure if you saw it, but this morning uh, I saw a, a news flash that uh, I'm pretty sure it was North Carolina. It was a different part of the state. But there was three police officers that were uh, that were shot by a suspect, and uh, oh my God. Uh, one of them's in critical condition. The other two are 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 okay. But um, it's just an idea that these this community is going to need policing. They're going to need to uh, uh, touch bases with the community, and they're not going to have that because of a uh, a woke city manager, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her she was a town manager, Justine Jones. She was hired last month. And um, Gibson, the, the chief, said both Gibson and, and, and Jones declined to co- provide more details on the media. But just to, so you know and the people know that Jones, she's coming from a, a job where she had previously sued her employer for gender and racial discrimination after being terminated in 2015. Jones's work history includes 16 years of progressively responsible positions for local government across the country. So like you said, she's, it's part of this woke, uh, you know, agenda. And, uh, she apparently was telling the chief, Hey, I, I don't want you talking to the media. Uh, she was trying to scrutinize every little detail that he had, you know, every little thing he was doing, uh, meeting with the business owners. You can't do that. What do you mean? That's part of community policing is to get out there and know what the problems are. I, 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 I couldn't fathom some of the things that, uh, this chief was saying that this city manager was uh, why you know he was caused she was causing so much dissension and uh you know when i i looked into it this is this is not the only department the, there was another one north south carolina i guess and the entire department also there also resigned um you know there's also in kenley north carolina we had uh some other uh police resign as well Oh, actually, that was the, the first story. No, we had some other ones in, in some other cases in um, Raleigh. And and uh, so there's three cases right there that shows increased scrutiny on police could be leading more, more small town cops to hand in their badges. What do you what do you have to say about that idea? Some of the some of the disdain for the profession has caused uh, just undue scrutiny and hostility towards the cops and they're being attacked in record number, uh, we're, we're up 14% in murders, murdered cops this year from last year. Ruben, you know, you know, what's funny. I, I, I read, read the story and I, and I saw the fact that, you know, we need to understand that police officers normally work in a hostile work environment out, out on the street. Uh, things can go from good to worse, uh, uh-huh. all of a sudden, but when you have somebody that is supposed to be an ally, a city manager, which, uh, uh, has a lot of interaction with the police and so forth uh, that you know is hostile to you. I can understand why these officers decided to to get out of Dodge before things go bad and before there's a, a, a huge public issue that oh now the police are are against the uh, the city manager and 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 you know uh, you're going to have the city manager if if what this police chief is saying is is accurate. Uh, you're going to have a city manager who's going to say, "Well, they don't care about uh, uh, the, the topics of the of the, uh, of the hour, right? Uh, uh, homosexual marriage. They don't care about all these things that Catholics believe in. 
uh, and then all of a sudden now you're, you're fighting a different enemy. So I think that there's some wisdom in what they decided to do. Uh, you know, 21 years, you don't have a full retirement yet. But this guy's willing to take the uh, take the risks, and I, I risk. I hope they uh, hope they prevail on this. Yeah, and and you know, in some of those small towns, uh, they don't get they don't get paid the kind of money that um, they were paying us out here in the big big city. And um, you know, there was a, a Maria Haberfield. She's a professor from, from John Jay College in criminal justice in uh, New York City, and she's done extensive work with with police forces. She tells she told the um, on the article, uh, another article that I'm, I was looking at, that police officers are used to this rigid environment where they're being told how to do the job. But I think we've reached a boiling point, and um, the resignations come at a time when the question of how police go about their jobs has become a sticking point for many citizens in the wake of the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. One side argues that police are not serving the communities well under current policing models, but as the post-pandemic crime spike continues, others argue that more aggressive tactics are needed. I'm in that second category. <laughs> I'm telling you, because there's just so much disrespect from when I came up, you know, I can't, I don't know that I could do the job these days, just um, Eddie. Yeah, you're, you're right. Ruben. You know, I often think what the police officers look forward to now, what kind of call excites a police officer to go to? So you, I remember going to, to, to scenes, uh, Ruben, where there was uh, some spectators and it was always awesome to me to have a little kid come up to you and say, oh, officer, uh, I just wanted to meet you. Uh, you know, thanks for coming out or whatever. I don't think those, those moments exist anymore. That's why I don't think I could do the job anymore. It's, it's, um, it's such a sad situation when the whole when all of society is saying defund the police and um, I don't, I, there's no way that we could survive without a police department. So it's really a, an absurd suggestion, but they do it anyway. Yeah. And out here in LA County, of course, the board of supervisors are trying to remove uh, a sitting sheriff, a duly elected sheriff, and they're, they're putting it on the ballot to be able to take over his responsibilities. And uh, it's just, it's, instead of going after Someone who's really shirking his duties, D.A. Gascon, they put their, their energy in, in going after the sheriff. And I just hope he just blows it out of the water in this next uh, uh, you know, election because the guy who's running against him, uh, Luna, is, uh, is not well-liked from his own department in Long Beach. And uh, he might be getting some of that George Soros money. Um, I can't confirm it, but uh, some of the people that represent Gascon, who is, who is George Soros' uh, money— they're supporting Luna. So it's just uh, really disturbing what could happen in LA County. I know speaking of resignations, I've talked to guys that are at the, the end of their career. Like they're, they could retire anytime. They said, if, if Luna gets elected here in LA County, they're done. They're, they're one of those guys that says like, I just three, three bad days in a row, you know, and I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, yep. th that's where, yeah, you know, it's true. We, I, I'm not really hoping that most of the law enforcement officers that are, um, are are currently working understand the dynamics of what the politics is all about. And so I remember for for a time when I was a Democrat. Hey Eddie, I, Eddie, I Eddie hold that thought. We're coming up on a break. Hold that thought. Got it. On the next break. On the next side side of the equation. Now, 
back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Good morning, Jesus 911. Two-man car, not a ride-along. He's actually sitting up in the front seat. So we've got Eddie Chavez joining me. He uh, came out of... Uh, he came out of hiding, and he's here now with us, live and in person. Eddie, it's good to, again have to have you back with us. Go, go ahead and fin- finish that thought, Eddie, about what you were saying uh, about the, the policing. And before we go on, to- you know, I know there was a time, uh, Ruben, when I was a, a police officer that I was still Democrat, and I didn't understand the dynamics of the politics that were involved in mm-hmm. in, in those uh, those uh, city or county positions or state positions that that some of the uh, uh, politicians had on us. And so I, I think that that what we need to, you know, it, I, I, I'm not trying to change uh, somebody's uh, uh, political leanings, but generally speaking, the, um, uh, the, the, the Republicans, the conservative, I should say the conservative people are the ones that uh, uh, have our our best interests in mind. So I think it's important for us to realize that that's the case. And uh, as we know, the uh, the Republicans reflect our our, uh, our values. Our, yeah, they reflect our our, uh, our motivations and, and all that. So I think we need to hopefully turn most of their minds into understanding what the dynamics of certain politics are. Yeah, you're right. There there is a difference, and. Um... I too was, I came up Democrat and then I, I got into police work and I, and I, there's no way that I could, uh, I could align my views of the views of the Democrat party. In fact, it's changed so much since then. Uh, you know, my dad also, he brought us all up Democrat and he, he got, uh, red pilled and, and the whole family is, is, are all Republicans and, and it's, uh, it's because of what the Democratic party stands for. It doesn't align with our values, you know, and, yeah. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's, it's, they've all the, uh, the issues that, uh, at least five or six issues that we can as Catholics believe and, and partake in. So, um, anyway, let's move it on to the, this next article. Um, Eddie, this is, uh, the month of August. So there's, uh, six really key saints this month that, uh, who's going to have feast days. And, uh, in fact, um, there's, when we t- we t- we look to the wisdom of these six saints of August, holy and excellent priests, and one famously devoted mother of a priest, uh, the saints remind us to adore the real presence in the Eucharist, go to confession regularly, p- pray the rosary faithfully, be humble, evangelize, and pray ceaselessly. Uh, their words are practical and poetic all at once. So one is a, an arthritic bishop, a sleepless patron of holy orders, an incomparable preacher, a faithful chaplain, a forthright apostle and a prayerful mother of a priest. So the first one was Saint Alphonsus Liguori, who we had we had his feast day yesterday. He is one of my favorite saints. Um, do you have the article in front of you, Eddie? I do have that one. Yes. Okay. Hey, Kate, why don't you go ahead and read a little bit from that that, and then maybe say a few things about Alphonsus, and I'll uh, and I'll comment as well. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, like. Uh, Ruben said the feast day was yesterday on, on this particular saint. Um, he, uh, he was born on September 27th, 1696. Uh, he had a, a long name. His name was Alphonsus Marie Anthony John Cosmos Damien uh, and uh, Michael Gaspard de Liguri. Uh, 
he was born uh, near Naples in Marianella. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention about Saint uh, Liguri is that he was raised in a pious home. Uh, Alphonsus went on retreats with his father, Don Joseph, who was a naval officer and captain of the Royal Galleys. Alphonsus was the oldest of seven children raised by a devout mother of Spanish descent. Ruben, one of the things I wanted to mention is, you know, I'm still involved in confirmation, uh, teaching teens about the faith. And uh, there's, there's, such a, there's such a withdrawal from, from parents and godparents teaching their kids. I, I thought to myself, what, where have I ever heard of a parent going on a retreat with their, with their, their child? A teen, a teenager, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, teens. Yeah, they have to go because we make them go. But parents uh, or, or godparents, uh, there's no religious motivation being taught. Very rarely nowadays. Again, this is a uh, uh, you know uh, 17th century, but um, it's still very note- noteworthy to keep in mind about uh, that way of raising children. Mm, yeah. St. Alphonsus, um, you know, he he was a moral theologian, doctor of the church. Uh, he was beatified in, in uh, September of 1816 by Pope Pius VII and canonized in 1839 by Pope Gregory XVI. Um, he, he, they, they bestowed the title of Prince of Moral Theology, and the church also gave the, this is unprecedented, honor she paid to the saint in her decree of 20. The 22nd of July, 1831, which allows confessors to follow any of St. Alphonse's own opinions without weighing the reasons on which they were based. The church did not bestow this unique privilege lightly, but was due to the extraordinary combination of exceptional knowledge and understanding of church teachings combined with the great precision in which he wrote. And I think that's, I, I can only know, of, I, I know of one other one, St. Thomas, where that has happened, but St. Alphonsus, I've got a number of his books, and every Lent I read from The Passion and Death of Jesus Christ. Amazing meditations on that in that book. It's like a compilation of a bunch of, of, of talks that he gave and books that he's written. He, he, the Glories of Mary is another, another huge one. Uh, the Way of Salvation and Perfection. I, I just picked that up out of my bookshelf, and I said, you know what? I've got to start incorporating this into my, uh, into my daily Routine and uh, there's a, a whole a whole list of other books now. Uh, Ruben, one one of the things I wanted to mention it says uh, on this particular article that uh, uh, on August 28, 1723, he had a vision and was told to consecrate his life solely to God. Uh, in response, Alphonsus dedicated himself to the religious life, even while suffering persecution from his family. So you know, right. the family was 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 one entity. And he was a separate entity. And he decided to suffer persecution from his family in order to, to consecrate his life solely to God. So there are some similarities in, in, in Catholic families, even back then to now. Yeah. And that's why um, uh, I give this saint a lot, of, a lot of credit. And of course, you know, being a doctor of the church affords you certain uh, benefits that other saints may not have, right? Yeah, and he was a lawyer. I don't know if you mentioned that he was a lawyer, yeah. and and he lost a big case, and he was so so disturbed by it that that he went and prayed upon it and became and and the Lord talked to him and telling him 
as you said, that he, you know, he wanted uh, San Alfonso to to come work for him, <laughs> and uh, so he gave up that uh, that life of of um, being a uh, a lawyer. The next saint we're going to go to is um, August fourth, Saint John Vianney. Um, you know, he was a priest who believed, believe it or not, had trouble passing his seminary exam and uh, did so only with great difficulty. He had really a lot of trouble with Latin. Um, this makes him a very endearing saint to pray to for help with our exams and theological studies and goes to show you that brilliant minds do not always do well on tests um, valued by the world. <laughs> and uh, he was assigned to a parish in ours. This is in France. And he became known as the curé of ours. And when he arrived in that village, Eddie, there was 230 souls. He was warned by his bishop before, beforehand that, there w- that he would find religious practice in a sorry state. There is little love of God in that parish, the bishop told him, and you will be the one to put it there. As a result, he was deeply aware of that he needed to go there to embody Christ's presence and to bear witness to his saving mercy. And he, his quote was, Lord, grant me the conversion of my parent, parish. I am willing to suffer whatever you wish for my entire life. Uh, and the, I can go on and on, but you go ahead, Eddie, if you have any, anything you could add to St. John Vianney, another huge. Yeah, you know, I, I, I remember them talking about, about St. John Vianney, who would spend up to 16 or 18 hours in a confessional. I mean, knowing what the priest does normally in a, two-hour span of confession at most parishes, um, you think about the dedication that St. John Vianney had to help his flock, his the people that God entrusted to him, uh, and stay in the confessional for that long. That That's an amazing uh, feat, uh, Ruben. You know, you don't have a, a guy that just figures, okay, this is a good uh, a calling, uh, you know, uh, I get good benefits on this job. No, no, this is this is a dedicated Catholic priest who was devoted to the people he was he was uh, entrusted to care for, and and to me that was very inspiring. I mean, um, you know, I know how priests get tired. I know how they're busy every day of the week, not just on Sundays, like some people believe. Mm-hmm. But um, he was, uh, uh, and he was strict in confession. I mean, he. He had a reason and talked to a lot of people. And uh, I think that's one of the, the draws that people uh, uh, felt about him was they wanted to come to him so they could hear the, uh, the, the reasons why they were not meeting God's, uh, you know, God's uh, expectations of them. Yeah. And during that time, it was a, this was, there was a revolution um, that resulted in religious ignorance and indifference. And due to the devastation that was wrought on the Catholic Church in, in France, and at that time, Sunday Sundays in rural areas were spent working in the fields or dancing and drinking in taverns. So St. John Vianney spent time in the confessional, gave homilies against blasphemy and profane dancing. So if his parishioners didn't give up the dancing, he refused to give them absolution. His stern sermons were later collected together in the famous Sermons of Curie de Ars, along with his moral catechetical instruction. I remember my priest uh, would sometimes pull that out and and. This his sermon was he was reading from one of Saint John Vianney's sermons. Um, one of the beautiful prayers that he had for his for he was praying to God and and it's just touched my warmed my heart. 
St. John said, I love you, oh my God, and my only desire is to love you until the last breath of my life. I love you, oh my infinitely lovable God, and I would rather die loving you than live without loving you. I love you, Lord, and the only grace I ask is to love you eternally. My God, if my tongue cannot say in every moment that I love you, I want my heart to repeat it to you as often as I draw breath. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And that describes what his thought process was and, and what he believed about, about Almighty God. And you know, Ruben, I'll tell you, uh, if we could get anything close to that at the last part of my life, I'm good with it because uh, <laughs> that, that, that requires true faith. <laughs> That's right. And you know, this little, uh, well, this, this little parish priest, he was, uh, he had a great devotion to one of my other favorite saints, St. Saint Philomena. He regarded her as, uh, as his guardian and he erected a chapel and shrine in honor of the saint. And, and, uh, so a lot of times they would come to, to, to St. John Vianney for, for, uh, uh, asking for a miracle. And he said, go to St. Philomena. And, um, there, he got ill one time in 1843, th- thought his life was coming to an end. And he attributes, uh, the cure to her intercession. And he's the parish, the St. Uh, a parish priest, a little little town of ours and he's the patron saint of priests and confessors all right coming out the other side of the break we're talking about some other great saints coming up be right back don't change that dial now back to jesus 911 if this call is not an emergency dial 888-526-2151 we are back. Jesus 911. Um, Ruben Nava, along with Eddie Chavez. I know that uh, Eddie has to has to take a call right now, so he's leaving us momentarily. But uh, um, we were talking about the the saints of this month, some of the powerful saints that we have at our disposal to pray to. And uh, since um, August is the month of the 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 month of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The next saint is it's perfect timing because the next saint we're going to talk about is Saint Dominic. Um, he was a priest. He um, a priest accompanied his bishop on a voyage and found many who had strayed into the dualist Albigensian heresy. So he was around at a time for the Albigensian heresy, and I'll t- tell you a little bit about what that entailed. He resolved to do something about it. He formed the Order of Preachers. So he started the Dominican Order. In 1216, and Pope Honorius III approved it. Um, he was famous famous for giving the rosary by Our Lady in, in an, insp- an apparition that she said to him, I want you to know that in this kind of warfare, the battering ram has always been the angelic psalter, which is the foundation stone of the New Testament. Therefore, if you want to reach these hardened souls and win them over to God, preach my psalter. So, the angelic Psalter is another way of explaining the rosary, since uh, the number of prayers of the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious mysteries match the number of psalms, 150. And uh, in the old days, the Jews used to pray those, those 150 psalms. And uh, and these help us to meditate in the life of, of, uh, of Christ and Our Lady. And St. Dominic's preaching, however powerful, was nothing compared to the power of the rosary. Though, in the words of St. Dominic, he said, one day, through the rosary and the scapular, Our Lady will save the world. So let me ask you, are you wearing your scapular? Are you praying your rosary? Do you want to help save the world with Our Lady? Are you part of the team, part of her team? Uh, 
which is Team Jesus. And uh, if you're not, let's get on board, okay? Forget about the past. Let's let's go forward with a, a resolution to be devoted to her rosary and uh, wearing of the brown scapular. If you haven't been in, enrolled in the brown scapular, talk to your priest. And, and if he, you know, I would pull up the prayer, the, the enrollment prayer, in case he doesn't even know it. It's, you know, many modern churches don't have, uh, they've tossed that aside thinking it's uh, just some kind of uh, like a good luck charm, basically. It's superstitious and it's and even some 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 of our priests unfortunately uh, don't pray the rosary and um i knew that once when we had a, a, a deacon at a one of my relatives funerals and the deacon was sent out there to say the rosary we had told him we you know i could say the rosary for us and i wish i had this the deacon was bouncing around didn't even have a grasp of the different mysteries um and i was like this it was obvious he didn't have a devotion to the rosary or he would have known <laughs> the way the rosary went. And he left out prayers as well. So I'm just uh, sh- shaking my head. So we got to the cemetery. We had an- I did another rosary for my uncle and we, uh, we knelt at the graveside and prayed the correct way. And, uh, but St. Dominic, you know, this is based on the, on the, the Albigensian heretics of the Southern France, where he uh, founded a convent at, at Pruel in 1206, partly for his converts that he was he was bringing back to the faith. It was served by a community of preachers, but the heresy was flourishing. It was so dangerous that even praised the suicide of its members, often by means of self-inflicted starvation. The heresy wrongly taught, this is the, what it was about, that all material things, including the human body itself, were fundamentally evil. The Christian faith teaches otherwise. In fact, it proclaims that the very resurrection of the body. So a group of monks, uh, an order of Benedictines, who returned to an ancient rule known as the Cistercians, were specifically assigned to combat the heresy through prayer, fasting, and instruction. But they made little headway. According to writings from the period, some of the monks had become worldly and even pompous in their approach, surrounding themselves with material artifacts which repulsed the Albigensians. Remember, they don't like material things. They don't like, uh, you know, matter, basically. Uh, so, along with his bishop, Diego de Acebo, Dominic and, and, and Diego were both austere by comparison to some of these worldly monks. And this austerity and personal self-discipline appealed to many of the heretics who had been deceived in their thinking. So, sometimes it's not what you say, it's what you do. They're watching your actions and people love misery loves company. So you're a person of faith there. People want to see you fall. They want to see you, you know, prove your point uh, incorrectly. Like, see, see, your faith is nothing. You know, you, the, the minute uh, temptation came, you were you were gone. You know, uh, I know coming up in the faith. Some of my friends would, you know, try to allure me by by sending me <clears throat> provocative uh, pictures or things of that nature to, you know, or tell me, uh, you know, dirty jokes and, uh, and, and just trying to bring you down. Because, um, but uh, someone like Dominic, he, uh, he knew he was, who he was, uh, his, who his teacher was. He knew who his, his master was and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and along with our lady. So it was his, his actions that spoke louder than words. And some of these Albigensians converted as a result of, of what he did. So he's a great saint in our time. And uh, that's August 8th. 
Uh, moving on to the next one, we have St. Bernard, St. Bernard of Clairvaux. He called himself endearingly Mary's faithful chaplain. And that was the spirit which he lived and helped to start many reforms. Um, at the request of Pope St. Bernard, a, a ch- arbitrated disputes and roused the faithful throughout Europe. He was known as one of the church's thaumaturgists or wonder workers. Poor souls awaiting his healing touch would actually line the roads he traveled by the thousands. And all the while, this great saint was working tirelessly. He suffered terrible stomach trouble, lasting his whole life long in the words of his of this faithful chaplain. He quote, they quote him as saying, the three most important virtues are humility, humility and humility in quote so in the spirit of saint bernard let's increase our humility by praying the litany of humility uh saint bernard uh, he came up um in a time where it was the 1090 1091 to he lived 1091 to 1153 um there's some famous quotes and you've probably heard some of them but he's known for some of these quotes there are those who seek knowledge for the sake of knowledge that is curiosity the road, oh, well, talk about that one. So you're just, if you're, you're just like reading your scriptures just for the sake of knowledge and curiosity, that's, you want to take the meditation, uh, meditate on it and take what you're reading and put it into action and live your life. Let it change you. Let it uh, sink through into your, your soul, into your well-being. And so just knowledge for the sake of knowledge, that's curiosity, he says. The second one is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, welcome back, Eddie. Uh, we're just, I'm talking about Saint uh, Bernard of Clairvaux. Some of the some of the the quotes that are attributed to him. Gotcha. Hell is full of good wishes and desires, <laughs> and uh, that's isn't that true? Yeah, they. Uh, one day I'm going to do this, or one day I'm going to do that, and and it never happens. And then the next one is many of those who are humiliated are not humble. So just because just because you get you know uh, embarrassed and humiliated in front of others, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to humble you. Um, and the last one that I have here is what we love, we shall grow to resemble. What we love, we shall grow to resemble. Because if to love somebody, if you just think in human terms, you know, you want to get to know that person and and spend time with them and converse with them and. Um, that relationship's going to grow, and the same thing with our Lord, and that's that rela- that the, the the conversation with Him is through prayer, and uh, so we can learn something from Saint Bernard. Do you have anything that you want to add about Saint Bernard? Uh, you know, Ruben, I was thinking about when we used to do Jesus nine one one. We talk about relationships, so you're talking about prayer here. You're talking about getting close to the Lord. So when people are having a, uh, I would say a, 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 a bad relationship with somebody mm-hmm. or something. There's a devotion there. There's still, there's still, you know, because a lot of times we're said, "What's the opposite of love? Hate." Well, not really, mm-hmm. right? right. Uh, the opposite of love is 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 uh, uh, disassociation. So you don't necessarily hate somebody, but you stay away from them. So what I'm saying is. Uh, with with Saint uh, uh, with this particular saint, you're thinking that uh, relationship is getting to know them. If you're getting to know the bad part of anything uh, over the good part of something, then 
that's what you have to be be careful of. Remember, we're talking about you know previous saints and this particular saint. We're talking about devotion to 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 the people that they're entrusted to care for. We're entrusted to care for our families. That's the first uh, uh, the first uh, uh, responsibility that we have. And so I think it's it's good to to give that the the most of our being. And so when when we don't do that, when we're distracted, uh, that's when trouble comes into play. And so here we have a suffering saint that that was uh, uh, experiencing these things, and uh, that's what makes us closer to God Almighty. Right. Uh, so we, you know, we just these are some of the things, uh, Ruben, that we have to think of when we think about some of the saints. And and you know, we thought, for example, uh, Saint John Vianney didn't forgive those people during his confession during their confession for for dancing. And somebody might say, "Well, dancing, well." What's wrong with dancing? I go to dances. Well, if you love dancing more than you love the Lord, and I know you said profanely dancing, uh, Ruben, that, that that was a difference. So, I mean, you know, there's 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 things that we have to, there, there's paths that we have to take. There's rungs of this ladder uh, as we go higher, and we have to, once we climb there and we get rid of it, don't let it back into our lives. That's that's Amen. that's one of the things I wanted to mention. Amen, man. Uh, he was he was uh, known for he when he exhorted Pope Eugenius to stress his role as a spiritual leader of the church over his role as leader of a great temporal power. As many of the figure in church, as he was a major figure in the church councils, and his greatest literary endeavor uh, was sermons on the canonical of canonicals. It was written during this active time. And uh, we'll come back. We're, we're going to stay with this topic. we got a couple more saints to talk about on the other side of the break. So uh, don't change that dial. We'll be right back. This is 911. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888. 888- Five two six two one five one. Jesus nine one one. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Two man car here. We are ten eight. Eddie Chavez and myself. We're talking about these uh, these priestly saints of August and uh, some of the things that they're known for. And we were uh, we were talking about Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. He's uh, he he had a a really big devotion to, to Mary and and. Um, he said to look to the star of the sea called upon call upon Mary in danger and distress in doubt think of Mary call upon Mary may her name never be far from your lips or far from your heart if you follow her you will not stray if you pray to her you will not despair if you turn your thoughts to her you will not err and saint bernard was canonized just 21 days after his death by pope alexander the 3rd and in 1830 Pope Pius VIII declared him a doctor of the church. So just in this month, there's so many doctors of the church here. In, and uh, I, I don't remember the name and the number of doctors of the church, maybe 30 something. Uh, so there's not, that's many, what I think. Yeah. Yeah, there's not many in, in terms of the 2000 years of existence of the church. So, um, you know, St. Bernard was, was, uh, he attracted so many people to him in, in his, in his sermons and in his powerful preachings and stuff. And, and many, the hundreds of men, led them to follow a life of a monastic life. So, uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, pray for us. I know, uh, Matthew Arnold, that's, uh, he, he 
often comments that this is his favorite saint. Um, so if you're listening, Matthew, there, there you go. Um, saint Bartholomew. Tell us a little bit about Saint Bartholomew, Eddie. You know, Ruben, this saint of because he's one of the apostles. He, um, you know, there's a couple of things we do know about him, but we don't know with certainty much of uh, of his life. Uh, and so, you know, he's one of the, uh, the 12. Uh, because he was an apostle, we uh, know that he was martyred for the faith, yeah. uh, as all of them were, except for St. John, who survived uh, all the attempts to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the scholars believe, the theologians believe that uh, that he was the same as Nathaniel mentioned in John, who says he's from Cana, and that Jesus, Jesus called him an Israelite who was incapable of deceit. And so that's one of the things that uh, we understand about Christ is that, uh, you know, uh, he can not, not be deceived or, uh, or, or cause deceit or be deceived. So the, the beautiful thing about that is the more things we have in common with Jesus, the closer we go up that that uh, that rung, those rungs of of the ladder, um, he uh, the the Roman the Roman martyrology says he preached in India and Greater Armenia, where he was flayed and beheaded by King Astyages. I believe that's how you say that name, King Astyages. Mm-hmm. And so um, remember, this is a, an apostle who we don't know much about, but what we do know about him. Is, uh, is is all a reflection of, of Almighty God. Mm-hmm. So he took his uh, suffering, and uh, that was uh, the beautiful thing about, about uh, St. Bartholomew. Right. Um, and, um, and one of the, the frescoes in uh, Rome, um, Michelangelo portrayed him, uh, St. Bartholomew, holding his, his flayed skin in his hand. Um, that's how uh, some of the depictions are of him. And... Um, you know, in uh, in in John's Gospel, uh, Jesus was said he saw Bartholomew or Nathaniel under the fig tree, which means something special to Bartholomew, who in in amazement answers him, "Quote, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel." And what a beautiful statement of faith, you know. So, based on on just that little little comment that Jesus made, Bartholomew came out with it. It's um, it's almost as uh, almost like uh, what what say. Peter says, you know, in Matthew 16, you know, he acknowledges that Jesus is, is the Lord, you know, who do people say that I am? You know, you are the Christ, you know, Peter says, thou art the Christos, you know, and the same thing here, he t- basically, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel, John 1, 47, 48. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, he was beheaded for converting uh, Polymius, the king of Armenia, to Christianity uh, and that's one story. I, again, there's there's some conflicting uh, reports, but uh, he he st- he hung out with his his road dog was Saint Philip. Um, he was introduced to Jesus through Saint Philip. So, and F- Saint Philip is is mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles where he gets sent out to that uh, Ethiopian eunuch on his chariot, and he says, "What are you reading?" And so, and and Philip. And the the eunuch says, "I don't know. I got someone unless somebody shows me or teaches me." And and Philip went ahead and, and broke down the scriptures to him. So, again, like you said, that we don't know a whole lot about Saint Bartholomew, but he was one of the twelve, so he was left infallible, right? Well, his teaching was 
there was no scripture back there, so he his it was tradition, and he uh, he was an infallible. He's the patron saint of tanners, plasterers, tailors, leather workers. I wonder why, huh? Because they flayed him. So yeah. uh, the leather workers, bookbinders, farmers, house painters, butchers, and glove makers. Those are some things that those are the people who pray to him. Um, anyway, just moving on to the next saint, Saint Monica. Saint Monica. Um, do you want to start here, or do you want me to go ahead and, and take care of it? Yeah, and you know what I mean. That her feast day is August twenty seventh, I believe, right? Right. And she's a patron of wives and abuse victims. So this should have a huge attraction. This saint should have a huge, huge attraction because uh, as we decline in the morality of our of our society, we're having more and more abuse victims. Uh, and 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 I think that that's that's what we have to do. We have to take some of these things that that have uh, experienced some of the, the what we have uh, what we have in common with them and 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 raise it up and, and and pray to them because like i said they have the ability to um to persevere when it comes to some of the strifes here so saint monica also known as monica of hippo mm-hmm. is saint augustine of hippo's mother right. so she's saint augustine's mom mm-hmm. Uh, she was born in 331 A.D. in Tagaste, which is present-day Algeria. Okay, uh, when she was very young, she was married off to the Roman pagan Patrici- Patricius, mm-hmm. who shared his mother's violent temper. And it goes on about about Patricius and and uh, uh, but what she's known for uh, Ruben and I know you'll you'll talk about it is her long praying devotion for her son. And she had three children, so we should mention that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't have to be a, a a virgin to be a saint. She had three children. That's right. Uh, she prayed for Saint Augustine for seventeen years before his conversion, and uh, she followed him to uh, to Rome and then to Milan, where he became a Catholic at age thirty-two. And when she fell ill and was near death, she told him, "Quote: I only ask this of you that you remember me at the altar of the Lord wherever you are." And that's a good reminder, Eddie, for us to remember our de- our deceased relatives. Remember, offer up masses for them, uh, and, and never forget them. You know, we live in a society now in the church where everybody's canonized. They're oh, he's in a better place. Well, shoot, you know, you didn't know my deal. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know exactly, Ruben. And you know, it doesn't get pushed by the priests like it should. Yeah, it should get pushed by priests. Hey, listen. Don't stop praying for them. You know, we're having a mass for him here, but do do a novena for them. Do as much prayers as you can for some of these deceased people who we know needed the prayer, right? Yeah. 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 So she's she's known for her patience, and she cried many times over for her son's transgressions. And if you read any of St. Augustine's, uh, his confessions, and he has a book, Confessions, he talks about um, some of his falls and, and uh that's his autobiography, basically, and she uh, she said that was my soul's doom. She was lamenting because she she knew about his his he was a a, a player, you know, he was running around. Um, if he was back in the days uh, East LA, he'd have been going to those Kennedy Hall parties, uh, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, we will talk about those, but exactly that's what we're talking about here. And, and you know, this is what we have to realize, Ruben, is that many of these saints. Uh, we're tempted by the same things we are still today. Run, so it's not that far from us. I mean, you know, we we're talking about St. Monica, but but it doesn't really 
make a difference. We're tempted by the same things that they were. Uh, the only thing is they overcame some of these things, right? Right. Oh, that's right. Um, remember that God's grace is infinite. He will never abandon us if it seems uh, as if he's not present. And she she was constantly praying and crying for her son to convert. And, uh, you know, many of us who, who have family members that have strayed from the faith, take take heart in St. Monica. Pray to her that she will give you the, the perseverance to continue praying for your, your loved ones. And, um, and don't, don't despair because in the end, you know, um, our Lord is going to know that, uh, even if we don't see their conversion in, you know, while we're still on this earth at the moment when they have to go make that declaration at their, you know, at the judgment, uh, they're going to have all those prayers sitting there, you know, as merit for them and, and to allow them to say yes to Jesus when he comes and and um, so Saint Monica, Saint Augustine, pray for us and pray for us. Uh, yes, these some really powerful saints this month. So you know, follow your calendars and uh, you know they're really powerful on their feast days, Eddie. So if you especially what I have a little habit of doing is I take the saint down. I have I ha- I don't have Saint Monica statue, but I have Saint Liguori, Saint John Vianney, um. I say Dominic statue. So when it's their feast day, I bring it down and I light a candle and, and put, put them like on a pedestal. I don't have St. Bernard of Clairvaux. I'm looking for him. So if you know where I can find a, a statue of St. Bernard, I'd love to get one. Uh, although we have to do it on the down low. My, my wife doesn't want me getting any more saints. They're taking up too much room in the house. <laughs> yeah. I remember when you're in Santa Monica, pray for, uh, pray for her. Uh, right. Pray for, have her pray for you actually. Yeah. Yes, there's a church in Santa Monica, St. Monica's. Yes, that's right. That's where Tom Brady was going. I have a friend who goes to that parish, and uh, that was Tom Brady's home parish. So, interesting. Anyway, thank you, Eddie, for for coming on board with us. You really, uh, you you brought some spirit, some light to to the the show, and, and a lot of the people are commenting. That it was good to see you on the Facebook chat. I don't know if you you follow that if you're on Facebook, but. Oh, people are saying hi to you and welcome back. It's great seeing you. So you're well-loved, Eddie, and um, hopefully we can do this again. Uh, Thanks, Ruben. Thank you. Yeah. Any any parting shots in the last couple of seconds that we have? You know what? Uh, just to let you know, I was uh, diagnosed with Factor Five leading, which is a, 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 I'm prone to strokes. Uh, I've suffered three of them. So thank you guys for your prayers. I, I give it all to, to the... Uh, Virgin most powerful listeners for my recovery. Thank you. Thank you so much, Eddie. All right, that's a wrap. We're 10-7 EOW. And stay tuned for Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Bishuda from the Midwest Command Center. We are done. Take care. Keep the faith. Remember, pray your rosaries. If you're not praying your rosary, you're not on the team. God bless. Keep the faith.